So welcome to the Red Review podcast. Hi, Jeremy. Hello, mate. How are we doing? I'm good, thank you. It's uh, We're recording on a windy Saturday. It um, is damp and windy and horrible. Yeah, I, I was saying to you earlier, wasn't I? I went outside with a big umbrella uh, and I was lucky not to land about 20 miles away. I <laughs> bundled down the street with my big Morgan Sindel umbrella. Not great advertising for one of my clients, but there you go. <laughs> I'm really disappointed because last week it was really sunny and I had to work on a bid. So I was doing some stuff that weekend. Um, we had a team pitching in Macau um, and uh, also prepping for um, a client sort of negotiation meeting on, on Tuesday. So I kind of lost half my weekend. And then this weekend, I've got a bit of a chilled weekend. And um, it's rubbish. It's rubbish. I just want to sit on my balcony and watch the world go by. Oh, such is life. Such is life. I, sh- I should also say good day and salut because I was looking at our stats and after the United Kingdom, 5% of our listeners come from Australia and Romania. Wow. So, okay. yeah, I just had to quickly Google what hello is in Romania. Apparently, Romanian. Apparently, it's salut. So, oh, well played. Um, hello, salut. Salut and good day to everyone. See, I ended it in the accent. So, how's things been? Yeah, good. I had, I had a really interesting day yesterday. Uh, I went to Cranfield University yesterday um, and talked to them about enrolling on one of their development programs, um, their, their business growth program. Uh, it's probably a bit early for my business this year because you have to have a certain turnover uh, in the hundreds of thousands at least, uh, but maybe next year. Um, yeah, met lots of interesting people, and then I went and spent the entire rest of the day in a pub, which is my, <laughs> my natural habitat. I've managed to get a load of meetings in in uh, the same pub in a little village called Salford near Cranfield, which was lovely. Uh, the Swan in Salford, if anyone lives in that sort of neck of the woods. Quite right. So yeah, we need to talk about events, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, we do. I, I always, I always feel quite jealous of, of your um, portfolio career lifestyle with all your different stuff that's going on. I feel like I've had a very quiet couple of weeks. Yeah, but um, you've been working on stuff. In, 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 you've been working on stuff in Macau. I've been working on stuff in Dunstable. it sounds really sexy right i I was working on a pitch in macau and i've got one in iceland and i've got one in hong kong actually what it means is that i had to set my alarm for 12 30 a.m on monday morning get on a call for two hours to coach them through an interview go back then get up at six to go in for my bi-monthly board pipeline meeting with the group board at Mace. Oh, and nice. So it's, nice. It's probably the best thing to do on four hours sleep, I've got to tell you. Nice. you when you know you've got to get up at like one o'clock in the morning, you don't, it's like going on holiday, you don't really sleep. Yeah. So, and I, I, I remember those sorts of meetings at Mace as well. It's what I used to refer to as the career defining moment meetings. Oh, yeah. I, had my, I had my two minutes of fame when I did my, my two minutes of the report and, uh, and no one asked any questions and I, I, I put my head back down again and just let them carry on. So, yeah. But no, I um, Kate sent me to bed at nine o'clock on Sunday, um, and I left her stuffing envelopes. So I am uh, um, running the selection process for a parliamentary candidate at the moment. I won't say which party, but if people name me, they know which party. Um, and we've got to send out a load of letters to members. And for some reason, it falls to the constituency to print their own letters rather than there being some central clever letty pretty things about to do mail merges and about to stuff about 750 envelopes and oh it's just oh, it was wow. it, my whole weekend was taken up by envelope stuffing and work so um this weekend i'm looking for, a bit forward to a chill um but yes we are talking about events today so um we are gonna have a chat about the what's coming up the apmp event this week yeah, so we're talking uh, about one that's just happened, one that's about to happen next week, and then one that's in October, I think. Yeah, so as what are you talking about? Let's have a chat about what we thought about their uh, their charity event. I think it's the first one they've done. Um, I think we should have a chat about um, 
yeah the challenges of getting our breakfast event or your breakfast event going and then perhaps our plans for the conference and i don't think we've kind of formally announced those yet so we can announce it here on the podcast yeah yeah shall we get into it yes yes It's Katie, editor of the Red Review podcast. We've had a few audio issues this week, so please bear with us in this episode. We'd love you to give us your feedback, so in the show notes you'll find a link to a short feedback survey. It's only eight questions long and shouldn't take more than a couple of minutes to complete. And to say thank you, every person completing the survey will be entered into a prize draw for a £25 gift voucher. We look forward to hearing from you. So the, the APMP charity event that was this week just gone, um, I realised when I went to sign in, actually, I double donated in the fact I'd bought two tickets for myself by accident. I bought, forgot that I did that and bought another one, but um, I let it roll for charity. <laughs> that was quite funny. Um, but yeah, I thought, so there was a guy called Jeremy Nicholas, wasn't it? Who's, who's uh, ex-BBC or still BBC uh, radio presenter, commentator, apparently the voice of FIFA, the football game from 2006 to 2016, did he say? Uh, which is funny. Uh, but yeah, I thought he, he was very good value and learned a bit, actually. I thought it was a really good event. Yeah, so, cause it, so he, was do, he was doing his practice, a practice of his Edinburgh Festival show, wasn't that's he? Right, yeah. yeah so it's quite right. interesting to see how that formulates because he had bits that he'd practiced and he was comfortable with and bits that he was kind of testing out. Mm. And so he would stop and make, and maybe that was part of the show, I guess, and that he kind of made it part of the show, but he'd stop and retest a joke or um, scrub something out or change something in a script. And I guess actually that's a really good thing for, you, you rarely see people when they're practicing presentations actually thinking about sections of it and nailing sections and, and like being that detailed in improving what they're saying. You know, I find it really hard to get interview teams to think about an actual script they're going to say. But actually, that's how the best comedy routines and stand-up and political speeches and motivational speeches happen. They're actually fully scripted. They know exactly when they're emphasizing, when they're not emphasizing, when they want laughter, when they need a pause. And yeah, it was it was amazing, actually, just watching from a technical perspective, him kind of working through the process. Yeah, I thought so. It's very useful for me, although it's, it's scared me a bit because I've got quite a big uh, speech to give at a, a YPO conference in mid-July uh, in front of 200 procurement people, uh, which is basically me telling them how we as bidding people feel about them. Uh, and I'm on, uh, there's a guy who runs all of government for Amazon uh, across the US, he's the headline speaker, because YPO have just signed a, a deal with Amazon. Uh, I, they've got two enterprise level agreements in their business, one's with Amazon and one's with me. Um, so that's funny. Uh, and then I've got uh, the guy who procured the Olympics, John Furno, is on directly before me and then me. Um, wow. So, so yeah, a bit, a bit of pressure. And it's a really, it's a big, you know, one of those proper conferences, proper stage, all in their brand and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I went last year. So uh, I learned a lot, actually. I was make, furiously making notes. I hope the guy didn't think I was playing on my phone. I was actually making notes into notes on my iPhone because uh, there was it's a different skill in many ways to presenting a presentation uh, in terms of just you know, public speaking like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I learned a bit, actually. It's really controlling, good. Controlling the stage, I think, is on those ones is going to be important, isn't it? Yeah, because it's, I mean, their stage is like 20 metres across or something. So it's... Yeah, it's going to be a beast. So yeah, that was really good. Are you, are you a roving presenter, or or are you kind of are you going to be fixed at a lectern? Uh, I'm a roving one. Um, so I guess I've had a bit of practice with that Wib app one that I did uh, a little while ago for Charlotte Rees um, at her conference. Uh, although, like I, th- I think I said on one of our other podcasts, it's weird that I've been completely fearless when I've been doing presentations and presenting for other people's businesses for. 20 years as soon as I go to present about my business and stuff I actually really care about uh, the old nerves have set in a bit so I didn't I didn't think I did a wonderful job at Charlotte's actually so yeah the pressure's on to turn it around for this one really yeah well I I think when he was when he 
the idea of actually writing a script and learning the script properly is probably the biggest tip I've ever had on doing a big presentation. In that, and actually, someone cornered me this week asking me, they've got a big pitch um, in a couple of weeks coming up. And, and I think I'm getting a bit of a reputation. She's like, I've heard you're really good at interview coaching. Can you come do ours? And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. He's presenting. He's like, oh, yeah, we're all really good presenters. So we just need you to help us polish. And I was thinking, oh, goodness. Yeah, that go. means they're all going to think they're really good. And actually, yeah. like, all the bad habits are going to be there of like making up as you go along, under preparing, talking to the slides rather than talking to the audience. So, so we'll, we'll see. But, um, yeah, I think the script, learning a proper script um, is, is, is probably the biggest tip I've ever had and actually doing big presentations. I, 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 I would consider myself a, a, a good presenter. Um, I'm going to turn it on when it comes to it. Um, but yeah, learning a script and learning when to pause and, and actually your colleagues learning the script. So that's the other thing I'd try and coach the interview teams on is they've got to learn what the others are saying because there's, there's two things here. Number one is that, especially like the stuff we do is generally like an hour and a half to two hours of why a client wants to see for two hours, I don't know. But, you know, so you feel like you've got to fill the time. And when they're not, and everyone's not speaking, people drift off because they've been sat in preparation sessions for days. They've heard this this talk 20 times and they kind of drift off and fall asleep or kind of stare into the distance or prepare for what they're going to say. And they've got to remember to pretend to listen to the speaker as if it's the first time and remember where to laugh and where to nod and where to smile and where to agree. You know what I mean? There's all these little yeah, yeah, yeah. that people just completely forget. So, um, yeah, scripts and, and, and everyone learning the script, not just learning your own script, learning whatever else you're going to say. I think well, and, and particularly in the, you know, we're all teaching people to go for sort of big hero images with impact rather than lots of bullet points on, on a bit of PowerPoint, as it were. And uh, the trouble with that is you haven't got, if you've got nerves, you haven't got the bullet points to refer to. So like when I did that with that presentation, I didn't, you know, it was big hero images, big concepts and, and nothing to refer to. So I had little cue cards, but yeah, it's interesting. Interesting. You're right. I, I need to practice, practice, practice. And the, the challenge is time, isn't it? What I'm up to at the moment. Yeah. So, so what did you think of the event overall then? Because previously the events have been, um, I guess it, they're a bit more factual and a bit more formal yeah this was a bit more it, well, I noticed that people were in casual dress as well which I, I, I hadn't seen coming to be honest I don't know whether I just hadn't read something or what um, but it was a bit weird seeing bidding people that you, you've seen I've been to a few of these events not loads but a few but it, you're, you're right it almost feels formal because it's normally directly after work isn't it as this one was so yeah, there was a few more jeans and trainers and stuff. It, it it felt like a I don't know, like a musty day or book week at school or something. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. And, and actually, I think it was a bit of a different crowd to normal. Yeah, I think the chat then the fact you had to pay for it. Uh, I think changed the tone slightly, but in a good way. Yeah, I mean, I saw on Twitter last night they raised over nearly two thousand pounds just for that one yeah. event, which is phenomenal. Yeah um amazing raffle by the way so like i didn't have any cash on me which which is just stupid and it's one of my my things i I can never remember when i'm going to an event i need cash for a raffle because pretty much any event you go to like corporately there's always a raffle isn't there whether it's a (laughs) events dinner or this sort of thing or you're going to a drinks networking thing and i completely forgot to cash out but the, the, the raffle was really good like a computer Years membership to the APMP conference tickets. That's like five hundred quid, isn't it? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't about. Yeah, two words. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah. For, and for a really good cause with Mind as well. Um, yeah, so it was quite. Um, it's quite striking in a way, isn't it? Because obviously, there's there's um Mike Ferno was the is the chat. I know I didn't know him, but obviously he was known in the kind of APMP central community i guess is how you kind of call it the kind of the yeah. apmp mid people um that he 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 sadly passed away um uh last year um yeah and so that was and that was quite a, a kind of a somber start to the event actually but it was kind of poignant to 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 sort of bring that out because actually it is a it is a big problem and, and interestingly um doing some stuff and this is slightly going off topic but doing some stuff at the moment on safety and construction 
and someone started us with a safety moment the other day that every year five people die on construction sites. Sorry, I think it's every month five people die on construction sites, but 45 people die of suicide related to construction, i.e. stress from work, wage problems, job problems, all the rest of those sorts of things. And it's just, it's, it's actually, we were talking in this session about what does health and safety look like in 10 years' time? And of course, actually, we started talking about the next big hurdle is well-being and 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 mental health and mental illness because mm. you know you're so, so yeah accidents still happen we still have and, and in fact on one of our client the client we we're working with on one of their sites they had a death um not long ago where a guy and he wasn't a construction worker he was a planner um and he he, ste- he just stepped out in front of a vehicle it was a constrained site wasn't wasn't looking thought he'd checked stepped out and a vehicle hit him and he and he died oh wow yeah um and uh those those types of things we've we've almost eradicated, you know, some of the big safety problems that we have on sites compared to where we were twenty years ago. But but mental health, and I imagine it's similar in other in other industries like manufacturing and in industry where um, all the safety systems are there now, but we probably still are very immature in in our kind of support of mental health. And I imagine it'll be like in fifty years' time, we'll look back. I think bloody hell, you know, it'd be like us looking looking at people sending kids up chimneys in the Victorian era. We'll think, oh, how barbaric. But to them, it was normal. And to us, it's completely normal that you come home from work and you're a bit stressed and you you have to work extra hours and um, and there's pressure. And, and, and well, you know, pressure's good, but the negative side of it, and we'll probably look at it in 50 years and think, bloody hell, all those, all those injuries and deaths we were causing from the way that we, we kind of treated each other and and our working styles and our health and all those types of things. I think, um, I think, I think we'll look back and be quite shocked. Mm. Yeah, off, sorry, right. I was going, I'm sorry, I went off topic then. So the event, let's come back to the event. So, yeah, well, uh, although we, so we were going to have a panel on this sort of subject area for our breakfast event that's next week, and we've put it off till September, haven't we? Because um, it's sort of almost personal reasons, both of us. Lost a friend, yes. um, so we won't we won't talk about that because it, it no. shouldn't. But um, yeah, it's it's something we we're going to tackle through our events uh, later yeah. in the year. But we just didn't feel up to it uh, this time around, did we? But but there you go. So something, yeah, we'll tackle that later. Yeah. So I mean, the amount of planning that goes into these events is quite significant, and you know, APMP runs on volunteers, and and we've had the same challenges of trying to get our or they're actually your events, but I, I'm taking them as well now. Um, the bids and procurement live breakfast events as well, and, and they've not been easy to get going and get people interested. And we're charging for tickets because we're not, we don't have a kind of a body like APMP behind us to pay for venues and the like. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it, I think people sometimes underestimate how much it takes to put on a good event. And I think um, we got, perhaps we can have a chat a bit, a bit of a chat around bids and procurement live because um that's certainly been a challenge to get to get going hasn't it yeah well i think we the problem is nobody's ever done this before in this way anyway in terms of having mini conferences breakfast events that don't have support of a professional association and that mailing list in particular and um have a panel so or a couple of panels plus an interview is the model that we've taken so far um, so it is, to be honest, it's it's not far off the amount of work you do to to put on a one day conference um, for a two hour event, uh, whilst you know, sort of doing it as a hobby. Uh, because to be honest, we're not making any money out of it. Um, it's it's almost cost neutral. It's because by the time you pay for the venue and all that sort of stuff, um, it, it's more of a piece for the community. It's more about the purpose of my business. And obviously a bit of brand brand stuff. But actually, I just I just really enjoyed the first one in February. I was really glad that I did it. Um, it was really lovely to see the interesting mix of people that we've got. And, um, so, you know, the plan was to do four a year. Um, and, and so we are pretty much. So, we, you know, uh, at least three this year and then probably four next year um uh, to be honest the original concept came from uh, there's a company called biz now uh it was a british guy who lived in the states actually um who does the similar sorts of breakfast events on a bigger scale in the property sector so you can imagine 
all the agents from the JLLs of the world and that sort of stuff. And then professional building consultancies and some contractors, they, they've done a fantastic job in getting a really high caliber of panel. Um, and I used to go to those events when I was at NACE and I just thought that the bidding community deserved something as good and as dynamic as well. So that's what I'm aspiring to achieve with these events is, you know, good quality panels where you can learn something quickly, get your caffeine fix and then go on about your day by 10 o'clock. Yeah. Um, I think that model's fantastic. So, uh, you know, we sold out the first event. Uh, we've still got two working days to go and we're, we're only, I think, five tickets short of selling out this one. Although we've got a bigger venue this time, so we could have sold more if, uh, if we'd managed it. Um, but yeah, you know, we've, in terms of the types of preparation for this, you know, I've had to go around finding panel members uh, and you've helped with that. And, uh, but we've had to do, you know, obviously you have to do preparation. These people don't just turn up and sit at the front with a mic in their hand and go for it. We've had prep calls. Uh, although, so I've done, a, I've, I've done a prep call with the uh, bids and procurement tech panel, which Andrew Gittings from Hobbs uh, is chairing. But I, I took part in that two weeks ago and then this week I had a telecom with the leadership and teams panel that we've got which I'm chairing um, with Julian Waitham, uh Jack Strickland from Mace and uh, Kerry from PwC and uh, we had a great conversation once I'd made it to the call I hadn't told you this Mike but um, whilst I was coming home from a meeting to jump onto that call I fell over in Milton Keynes and broke my phone uh, no, and not only did I fall over, I fell over in the reception of a very fancy building in front of one of my colleagues who likes to laugh at me at the best of times, let alone when I, uh, and do you know why I fell over? Classic thing that Jack tells me off for all the time. I was prattling about with my phone, walking down some steps. And, oh uh, gosh, Jerry. And, you know, and the problem safety is, safety moment right there. Exactly, safety moment right there. It was absolutely classic. And of course, the other thing, when I was driving home from that with a slightly, scuffed knee and uh, an aching arm was I work for myself now if I broke my arm and my leg uh, I wouldn't be feeling would I and how would the breakfast event gone and all that sort of stuff so yeah got home told my wife uh, and I don't think she's finished laughing at me yet uh, she went she went into one of those you know when you laugh at someone and you can't breathe because you're laughing so hard she was bent over laughing at me so so yeah I, I got onto the bloody prep call late because uh, I had to dial in for my landline um, so that was a bit embarrassing but bless them because they're bidding professionals they'd, they'd of course gone about the business figuring out what they were going to say so by the time I joined they're all best mates and away they go so but yeah you know that stuff takes takes time finding venues takes time the the, the challenge this time has been procurement people actually I'm not quite sure getting procurement people to attend so we've not got many this time it's predominantly in-house yeah. bidding people which i'm pleased yes. with there's the odd bidding consultant from you know companies that will uh, remain nameless because and i'm pleased that there's not a deluge of those um it's all right to have you know one or two but i don't want a room full of people trying to sell stuff to a small number of people the actual bid managers in the room and they'll be surrounded by 10 people trying to sell their, their bid writing services yeah and that's then they're not obviously they're not my audience for my business so i'm not motivated in that way but it, it's nice to have some peers there in terms of consultants but there's got to be a balance but we, yeah we're, we're quite fortunate that most of the people in the room are bid team leads or fairly senior bid management professionals um so we've got we've got a strong audience but it's taken some work and yeah marketing cycle wise um i went on holiday in what we think i had a marketing meeting with my marketing lead the other day um which was Your wife. Bit, with my wife yes um, <laughs> i was gonna call you out then don't, 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 don't pretend jeremy that you've got a big marketing team it's 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 mrs brim uh, who, uh, is, who is an amazing marketer, can I just say? Yeah, she does have her own marketing agency. Yeah, she's not, she has she, her own marketing agency. I'm, yeah. I, 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 you know. uh, but yeah, no, well, she sat me down and bollocked me because um, in effect, when we looked at the stats and the sort of sales cycle on these things, we, we went on holiday and didn't put much effort in around that, right in the zone where you would sell tickets. 
or begin to get the momentum and it's about the momentum thing so yeah i'm learning a lot about and, uh, and also there was lots of lessons about the big toolkit site and the analytics in that i was telling you that didn't I, when we were at that apmp event that um our audience has changed in the last few months and actually you were saying our audience has grown for this podcast as well um, yeah and changing and uh yeah the demographics for the who's looking at the bid toolkit site is really interesting it's moved from in effect people older than millennials to millennials um so it's yeah. people people under 34 um have become the biggest audience uh, although 70 percent male um which i wasn't expecting actually uh, but then mm. quite interestingly that changes which social media channels we use how we use them at what times you use them all sorts of stuff so Jules is now into a whole load of research uh, about how we ta- you know keep track with that uh, audience so yeah it's been it's been we're learning as we go you know and uh, but the, the important thing is it's got a purpose um, you know it is about bidding and hopefully procurement people spending some time together to have the conversation as we call it away from competitive procurements uh, yeah. and so I, I, I think there's a couple of interesting stats that people so um at mace we've seen we've seen more direct inquiries from quite significant clients through our website where people just message us and say you know you know in the contact form on a website that no one ever uses like we'd like to invite you to talk to us about this rfp can you contact us and they kind of, and there was there's a stark increase in the past sort of year or so, and they kind of looked into it, and and there's some data that shows that a lot more um, CPOs, uh, chief procurement officers, are now millennials or yeah. on the verge of millennial, um, and their buying habits are different, and so they are more used to right. I need to find, I don't know, an accountancy provider. Um, and we've been using X, Y, and Z. And the reason we use X, Y, and Z is because Bob likes them and um, Bob thinks that, thinks they're great and they're on this list we've always used. But why don't I go out and do a bit of Googling and see what else I find to open up the open up the competition? And actually, for me, that feels completely normal. But I imagine for someone who is maybe a, you know a, a couple of... Um, decades older than me would think that's completely bizarre that you'd go and buy professional services by googling it but yeah i've done it for you know when i when i was in my previous firm i've done it for small things you know you want a a survey company or a consultant for a specialist service in in a particular area and i would just go and google i don't know eia consultancy in essex and get an environmental impact assessment consultancy in essex to do the work you know it, it, there's different there's a different demographic i think and 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 uh i think that that impacts on like how we market the event but actually more generally it impacts on how we as bidders should be more communicating and collaborating with our procurement colleagues yeah i, I feel the- slightly like procurement and bidding are left out of the sale and buying cycle from both parts so in my industry you know it's, it's the construction or the capital um, capital works or the estates team or it's going to be that owns the kind of contract and procurement kind of respond to that and similarly it's the technical team who own the client and it's the bid team who respond to that whereas i think the power is slowly shifting that and actually procurement are more actively involved in shaping the procurement and buying cycle rather than just being driven by their own internal clients and likewise bidding have more of an active function over helping technical teams to be better earlier in the sales cycle yeah well i think the game's just coming towards them so as an aside this is going to come up in that tech panel um because the the conversation in that panel is about what what tech has come about in the last five to ten years what's breaking now but also where's it going so the now stuff is where we've got a guy called stefan a french fella um, from a company called tilki that do a load of analytics on documents that show you know interesting stats like people look at exec summaries for only like five seconds or something like that it's going to be really fascinating um so it it will be discussed a little bit on that panel from a from a a tech perspective (laughs) and what that means dash has decided that we've been talking for too long and is now roaming around the um the lounge looking for toys that's playing referee yeah fair play oh we do need to crack on don't we but just one quick point so 
Um, that presentation I'm going to give at YPO is going to be based around the, the classical procurement best practice, the strategic uh, sourcing cycle that they're meant to follow, which I've seen uh, Lloyd Johnson give a great uh, talk around as part of his uh, talk at an APMP event a few months ago, actually. But mine's a slightly he is different. So tall. He's much taller than you think he's going to be, isn't he? And he's really handsome. It's quite frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Even better looking than his videos. Yeah. Oh, the wife straight in. <laughs> Lloyd. <laughs> Hashtag bid, bid like a bidder. Bid like yeah. a buyer. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's a very good public speaker, actually. Um, I was talking to him at that event it was good, this week. It's good. Um, but yeah, my, my speech is about, right, you guys are doing that stuff. Well, on the other side of the fence, we as BD capture and bidding professionals are doing this why don't we join the dots as in you know we're figuring out who all their key players are we're figuring out how to influence them if we actually join the dots a bit better it'd just be more efficient for everyone wouldn't it um and then that's lloyd yeah that's lloyd that's lloyd he does listen to this he said uh, he's, he's, he's going to be blushing now. Um, yeah, we'll have to introduce him to uh, Katie, our wonderful producer. Or not. Time, or not. Yeah, probably not, actually. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, so yeah, we've got, we've got a really good event ahead of us on Wednesday. Um, we've got the, 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 certainly the prep calls have been fiery in places, intriguing challenging we've got a really good mix of people with some with some quite different points again uh, much like the panels before um and then you, you you're interviewing simon boyle aren't you um yes yeah sorry one dash stop it he's licking his feet now stop it good boy um yes yeah, sorry jeremy this is this is not very well you know this is this is the problem with with recording the day that dash is dash is wide awake He's just itching. Um, yeah, I'm interested in, in, in interviewing Simon Boyle, who runs Brigade, the venue we're at, which is a social enterprise. But mm -hmm. we're talking more about some of the barriers for social enterprises being involved in bids and procurement, and probably his, his views on on the different um, the different approach they can bring. Um, and actually, I think there's a wider link, and and it will link back to our, our first event on how working with uh, VCSEs, a voluntary community or charity, and depending on who you are, social enterprises can actually help with other things like um, meeting your social value commitments mm -hmm. um, and also just the, the general um, betterment of your team. Um, I'm sure there will be some research that somewhere that, that soon will show that by working with a more diverse supplier base like VSCEs um, um, and the like and SMEs that actually your teams perform better because you don't have the same rigid kind of structures. You get different thinking, different ways of working, um, different business cultures coming together. So I think that'll be a really interesting chat. Um, but also I'm quite interested to hear some of his sort of stories of setting up social enterprises um, throughout his career. So that, that'll be a good one. Mm, very good. Um... So uh, the final thing we're going to chat about is the APMP conference, and we should be quick because we are um, we need to hit our time our time allowance. So. Yeah. So so I guess the crux of it is we need our listeners to vote for us, um, and here's our <laughs> idea. So this is a, APMP conference in October. Uh, we Mike and I are going to bid for a or pitch for a speaking slot, um, and our idea is what Mike. Uh, so we're going to do the Red Review live. So um, there's going to have to be, if we get it, there'll be a bit of investment from us to get all like the right kit so we can record whilst presenting and get the microphone set up and all that sort of thing. Um, but the aim is to do the podcast live. And depending on how nice the APMP are feeling, and if Gareth listens to this, Gareth, you're a fantastic, handsome man, and we love you very much. Um, we want to sneak a couple of panelists into do our the, the sort of the do a more of interview style red review, but they won't be from the bidding sector. I think we probably well we're still umming and ahhing about it, but 
um, talking to a couple of people at the event on Tuesday, actually, the APMP event, they're saying, oh, I'm fed up of panel sessions, APMP events. You know, they, they don't really teach you anything. It's just people talking, talking for too long, giving their opinion. So I think if we do an interview one, um, maybe bringing people from outside the sector and some kind of quite interesting, quirky people um, in to talk about leadership um, and, and developing teams. That's one of the themes of the conference. Uh, I think I think that's where we'll go. So um, we need to finish our pitch. Um, and, and like any selection process, the questions aren't very clear. Um, the, the APMP are provided. So you have to write like an overview for, for 200 words and then a shorter overview for 100 words and a synopsis for 650 words and a, something else for 400 words. It all seems to be very repetitive, but we'll, we'll get there and we'll, we'll put it in. And um, yeah, and then we need people to vote for us because it'd be very embarrassing if we don't get it. Although, yes. So yeah. lovely listeners, please, please, if you're APMP members, uh, vote for us. Yeah, I, th I think it'll be really good fun, and we we are going to go as high profile as we can in terms of those those panel members. It will be. I think so. Yeah, I think I, I think go I big think... or go home. Yeah, I think so. So I would love to have um, someone like Dan on from AIG, but I know we've got him at our separate our September breakfast event, so we'll keep him him for that. Um, but someone someone like that who comes from a completely different. Um, world that kind of can talk around developing teams um and kind of is quite engaging on stage because we want to have it quite chatty and mm. less like a panel and more like a podcast i think that's that's the important part isn't it it's not a it's not a panel that we're going to record and put on the podcast we want to still keep it as in the podcast format of us chatting um as it's over heath i might even see if kate can bring dash over and dash uh, can join uh, us mascot. yeah absolutely <laughs> Absolutely. I think I think that would make it. I think that would fill the room. It wouldn't be the panelist. It'd be the fact that Dash would be there. Wouldn't you, puppy? Everyone has a dog. The podcast dog. Um, so yeah, so we're going to put something in. The deadline's this Friday. So um, it's my job to get the next draft done over the weekend. Then we'll tweak it together and send it off. Away we go. So yeah, our question of the day comes from Leonie Thomas from LT Bid Writing, um, who asks, have you got any productivity hacks or tips um, for when you're working on an intensive bid? Um, so I've got one if you're in a big organisation, which is possibly not helpful for her, and then we need to think of a smaller uh, team thing but it, it, I know uh, there are organizations that are more and more looking at chasing the sun so you know a, an organization I used to work for not makes one before have got a bid engine room I think they would call it uh, in a country in Asia where their UK bid managers send stuff off at the end of their day and when they come back in in the morning it's all redrafted designed up whatever it is and it, so they've got graphics resources which is fairly obvious um, but they've actually got bid writers, bid managers uh, playing sort of hand in glove. Um, wow. So they're in effect, and if you were really smart, you could do it in three countries around the world, couldn't you, and, and have eight hour slots each. Um, but they're, yeah, they're certainly doing it. I, 50 I've, had, I've had mixed reviews of doing like offshore and nearshore bid centers. Mm. So I know a couple of bigger firms, you know, you're talking like the Vodafones of the world who've done it. Um, and I don't, I can't say if it was specifically a Vodafone because I, I can't quite remember. But they had they had mixed opinions, and I, and it, it's a bit like in the engineering industry when a lot of the big engineers set up kind of excellent sector sec, uh, excellence centres in India, where a similar sort of context, the engineers would do the design during the day, send it to India, and then there'd be a room full of draftsmen and um, cat technicians and engineers to run to double check calculations and they again would send it back in the morning to get it done and i've heard kind of i don't know i've, I've heard mixed views so that's an interesting one mm. but i, I um, think it, it's got it's got to come around doesn't it and then of course you in the future i guess there's bits that will be taken away with ai and automation or whatever but yeah, that's that sort of stuff's got to come um i think just in basic terms in smaller teams where you're working in a war room um one of the must-haves like anything like any sorts of 
project is clear roles and responsibilities. Clear yeah, plan. True. Everybody's got to know what they're doing. So you've got no, no overlap, nothing falling between the stalls, you know, no horrendous surprises. Everybody knows what they're doing, why they're doing it. Um, and that, to be honest, that, that negates a vast proportion of inefficiency in bids because you know and I know the human behaviours the psychology I was talking about this with Cranfield University yesterday I'd really love to get them on board to do some research in this area um, the whole sort of psychology of, of bidding and bid teams but pe people will tend to take the line of least resistance obviously and sometimes that involves them shying away from having the conversation early on and of course that leads to problems later on where you get those big peaks and spikes and challenges so yeah so my my, my tips are i've got i've probably got some i guess some smaller practical tips but similar to yours like the roles and responsibilities number one is one of the things that i have learned and picked up from someone else in the past year and i now do is particularly in the back end of bidding um is every day we do a start of the day meeting. So like mm -hmm. 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes around the, around the kitchen table in the office, just sit down and 8.30 a.m. and we just do a start of the day. What are people working on that day? What needs, get, what needs getting done? What are the urgent actions? Because when you get into the heat of the bid, it's very easy for everyone to sort of run off and, and sort of do their thing. You know, I've got to get this answer done and they kind of tie themselves, lock themselves away to do it. And actually... By having the start of the day meeting, it means like the team is coordinated and, and it you get better understanding of roles and responsibilities, but also who's owning which bit and making sure nothing's missed. And who needs so, help and yeah, all exactly. of that. You fill gaps and be fluid and all that together, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. That's a good shout. So, we do, so we've, we're using that now on, on all our major pursuits of doing start of the day meetings. And then one that Leone and I kind of discussed, because Leone came in and did some CB writing for us. We had a bid that needed about... 40 cvs in it and and all kind of quite technical ones and she's fun she anyone who's looking for someone who's, who's really good at getting into the detail of kind of construction engineering people and articulating their stories and their kind of capabilities and experience into really good compelling cvs the only was was excellent at that uh, i think she just enjoys talking to technical people and like you know unlocking from them the really clever things that they think are completely normal but actually are the things that clients want to hear where they've solved problems and where they've um uh overcome challenges and those kind of things that make make a cv feel more more authentic anyway we were talking about how do you keep focused in a busy office or even when you're working at home and she touched she said she kind of use podcasts or music um but i at that time was using on youtube if you type in like um music for focus there are like these three or four hour kind of meditation soundtracks on youtube that kind of just repeated like there is some science to it like alpha waves and beta waves and delta waves different waves that activate your brain in different ways but just putting that on in the background all of a sudden like the, the sound is knocked out it's not a song so you're not singing along and it's not a podcast there's not like something you're listening to to get distracted on it's just kind of background noise but it's not like white noise or gray noise so me and leone have started using that and then i've kind of taken it on further because i've discovered on youtube there are a few live streams of continuous chill hop which is like electronic chilled hip-hop beats and i could just literally put it on all day and work all day and it just blocks out the background and just kind of keeps you going because it's kind of i guess there's it some just, science gives you a tempo doesn't it yeah, there's some science to it, like the beat, depending on the wavelength and the beat, it works with, um, there is a theory that it works with kind of like the rhythm of your brain and like your thinking process. So like, you know, you know, people go to the gym, they want gym and they want to get pumped up. So they play some like really fast pump up music. Mm. It's kind of the reverse of that. You want your brain to be in a kind of a common, a continuous state of thinking and developing. Anyway, so whether I'm bullshitting a load of um, science right now, Kate, Kate is nodding. No, I, I, I've read it somewhere. And, and one of my friends, his girlfriend is Britain's strongest woman. And she uses all these kind of life hacks to get her brain in the right zone, depending whether she's on a rest day or a training day or prep competition prep. And one of the things that I've learned from her is this use of different music types to get your brain in a different place. So as a productivity hack, I would say, don't use music, don't use podcasts and use a kind of melodic 
white noise like meditation music or chill hop to kind of just center your brain as you're trying to write and get into something there you go very good so we've reached the end of the podcast jeremy we've got there again there you go so um interesting chat today so in summary, I think APMP charity event, fantastic. Yes, agree? agree. Setting up our own breakfast event has been a bloody nightmare and people do not realise how much effort there is in getting panellists and prepping and venues and uh, the, I guess for you particularly as a person who's self-employed, the personal cost of doing that over doing fee earning work. Um, um, for me, I do it in, this, in my spare time. Yeah, no, it's not. I think bloody nightmare is a bit strong. Uh, I think it's just, it, it's about being disciplined and having a proper, well, classically as a bidding person. We're, we're, we're now for the next event with my marketeer slash wife going to have a proper plan where we know exactly what we're meant to do at what points because we know what the buying cycle looks like and all that sort of stuff. It's been a bit of a voyage of discovery, that's all. Um, but we've got a great event. Uh, we've got the right panels. We've got the right audience. It's all coming together beautifully. It should be. It should be another good one. Uh, but yeah, it's not. Not it, it, yeah. To, for something to look as polished as they do, it, it takes a lot of polishing. Yeah. And and then our final plea is for everyone to vote for us so we get a spot at the APMP conference. Yes, absolutely. Please, 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 please. If you follow us on Redview Pod on Twitter or a LinkedIn with Jeremy and I on LinkedIn or follow um, the Bid Toolkit um, then you will see us spamming you over coming weeks asking for your vote but um, please do vote and please do support us I, I want to I hope we can do something different and I'm sure uh, that's my belief that we can do something that's a bit more interesting and a bit different because um, some of the sessions can come a, become a bit bland and I don't want us to be bland and I want us to be different yeah, and we're not selling anything. Um, oh. uh, you know, we've I've got enough. Mark, to be honest, people are probably very bored of my videos and marketing and things. Oh, which reminds me, oh, I love um, your videos. Ah, uh, I I got bollocked by Mel at APMP at uh, the charity event actually because I posted an advert in the APMP group. I'd only been a member for two days and I got a slapped wrist. Um, so yeah, I didn't realise you weren't meant to put commercial stuff in there because I was I was a newbie so apologies Mel I've fixed it I've changed it to a informative uh, blog post that we, that we had uh, in the can so that's that's now in the in the APMP UK LinkedIn group which gives you a view of what the last breakfast event was about and what this one's going to be about uh, so yeah won't do that again promise scouts on that <laughs> so what have you got going on in the next couple of weeks well that's a good question I thought that answer to um, on wednesday thursday yeah directly after that i'm uh, filming a load more videos to spam people with so you know those nice glossy videos that we i've got some quite nice feedback on actually when i first mobilized the business in october uh that same uh photographer videographer uh, producer guy uh, kieran um, who again is a devastatingly handsome Colin Farrell type Irishman um, is going to be filming me but also I've got some clients coming in to do testimonial videos uh, I've got Sophie from Quad for starters which are talking about the enterprise toolkit we've deployed and the training we've done with them so that's lovely and then other than that lots of uh, Morgan Sindel stuff and I am studying furiously at the moment for my APMP qualifications, which is funny. Um, learning the slightly different language for everything. It's a bit like learning Polish or something. Um, so that's, that's, that's keeping me busy at the moment. Uh, oh, and I'm also going to a place called Open House in St. Ives in Cambridgeshire, which is a WeWork style um, co-working environment um, because my wife wants to open one of those one day uh, in St. Neots where we live. Oh, interesting. I know someone who's who's set up a who set who has set one up. Do you want me to connect you? Yes, please. That'd be great. Yeah. He set up a company called Bold, and they did like bold workspaces. Um, and he's doing something slightly different now. I think he's got a slightly different model, I guess, to differentiate himself in London from the behemoth that is WeWork and Spaces and those types of things. But yeah. um, I'll, I'll, I'll 
connect you because he he did something very similar. Well, I'm I'm trying to convince her that we need to buy a pub and then have some <laughs> co- co-working space in amongst that proposition somehow. Uh, and the cafe, you know, sort of have a bit of a multiplier effect. You sort of reuse spaces for different things at different points in the week. Um, yeah. But that's just an excuse for me to be able to spend more time in a pub, which is my favourite. Do, do you know what? Just, to, just we could chat about this afterwards, or maybe. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you what. I was gonna, I was gonna tell you something. I won't tell you now because we were at the end of the podcast. And yeah, sorry, we drifted again. When, 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 when this gets going, when you're, if you're, if you're, if you do do it, let's have, let's have, let's have Jules on and chat, chatter about it. Because I think it'd be really interesting, particularly for those who, who in our kind of audience are. Um, freelancers or working in small bid teams and find themselves working remotely a lot, a lot of the time and perhaps it would be quite interesting to hear yeah, I'll tell you what, research we, what people like and don't like from those spaces we should get her to do that also she is a tribe boss in Girl Tribe uh, she, she runs the Girl Tribe for Cambridge uh, which is a women's networking group for people who are self-employed um, and so she's had some interesting. I think she's got her third event, fourth event on Tuesday next week. Uh, yeah. This this week, sorry. And so there's lots of interesting learning that she's picked up from that. Um, so and, and of course she's gone freelancer in effect herself uh, 18 months ago. So there's lots of lessons about accounting yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But obviously marketing yourself as a freelance person because she's a marketer who markets small businesses. So. Yeah, maybe we should get around for a bit of a chat about definitely. that. Should definitely get us off. Cool. Well, as, as we're finishing, the sun is coming out. It's still windy as hell, but at least at least there's some sun, sunshine now. So uh, I'll let you get on with your studying. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, I'll see you in the week. See you soon. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. See you again. podcast links to the topics you've heard about today have been included in the show notes so do check them out thanks to our sponsor lt bid writing and if you'd like to feature in the show drop us a message on twitter or email redreviewpodcast at gmail.com and we'll see you next time